Good morning, everyone. My daughter sent me a text Friday night. <clears throat> my son-in-law was reading to my four grandchildren the Easter story, and so it had a little picture of Jesus on the cross, and so he says, and these bad soldiers nailed Jesus to the cross. He could have stopped them, but he didn't. And then she zoomed over, and my three-year-old grandson says, I want to punch those guys. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, except like Jesus actually said, Father, forgive them. But really, it's interesting because the story of Easter has been so contorted down the lane of whisper that I thought I would do something very simple this morning. Answer three questions. What happened on the first Easter? What will happen in the future in terms of those resurrections? And what should happen in between that time? So I want us to start by, by going, all right, let's look right at the Bible and, and, and sort of rehearse what happened. Because in a seed form, some of you know this, but sometimes it's putting things together. God opens your eyes and you're like, wait, so if that, then this. So in a nutshell, the first thing is obviously pretty straightforward and simple. Jesus was crucified. A man named Jesus of Nazareth was crucified on a cross six hours one Friday. But the Bible says that on that Sunday morning, he rose again. Now, there were other people who had already claimed, I'm the Messiah, I'm... And they were also smashed by the Romans, but that was it. Now, you may or may not believe that. And my purpose this morning is not to try to take too long to try to persuade you of the many convincing proofs and evidence for the resurrection. But this is what Easter is really about. As a result of Jesus Christ rising from the dead, there were a group of followers who began to proclaim a message that Christ died for our sins, he was buried and raised again. And that was radical. These weren't a bunch of pastors. These were just followers. So what we read is that Jesus began to appear to certain followers, and he said, I want you to go out and be my witnesses. And they didn't, they didn't just decide to make stuff up. They went out and started to proclaim a very clear message. And this is where it's important that we go back and say, all right, what does the Bible say? Not what did the church say? What do people say? But what does the Bible say about Easter? What was the early church's message? The first point that they, they made, and they would just go to people's houses and say, listen, Jesus is the Messiah, and the resurrection proves this. Other people claimed to be the Messiah, but they died. So when Jesus came out of the grave, they were like, this Jesus, God raised him up again. Therefore, know for certain that God has made him Lord and Messiah. He's the one that God promised. So that, that was the first thing. Jesus is the promised Messiah. But the implication of that is because he's the Messiah, God had promised that the Messiah would sit at the right hand of God and reign. So they also began to proclaim that Jesus is Lord over all creation, that Jesus is at the right hand of God, and he's, as, as we just heard sung, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, particularly to call Jesus Lord at that time was a big deal because the Romans were asking them to call Caesar Lord. So they began to proclaim a different message, your idols and your emperor worship. Turn from that and turn to Jesus and confess Jesus as your Lord. So Peter went on to say, God has raised him from the dead. Know that God has made him. Look at the last phrase. He's Lord. Now, we probably don't think much about that because we don't live under a monarchy, but... If we had a king or a queen, like in England, 
If you confess your allegiance to a Lord, then you are solemnly promising to follow him, to do what he says. In fact, Jesus says, why would you call me Lord if you won't do what I say? And that's why people go, oh, I love some of the teachings of Jesus, but I don't agree with this, or I'm not doing that. Well, then he's not your Lord. You can't disagree with what he said if he's your Lord. You follow him. So they began to proclaim that. But one thing that's sort of been left by the wayside is because he rose from the dead, we're also supposed to tell people God has appointed him to come again and judge the living and the dead. Now think about this. So when Peter would go around, he would say, listen, Jesus was raised from the dead and he became visible. Peter's like, I saw him. Everybody didn't see him, but I saw him. And other witnesses were chosen by God. We ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And this is what Peter said. He ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify. Because this is serious. This isn't a joke. Solemnly tell them. He is the one that God appointed to judge the living and the dead. Now here we are 2,000 years later and we're still trying to do that. A lot of people aren't, but there's some people that are still just, just, this is what it says. And so I solemnly promise you that one day you will stand before the Lord Jesus and he will judge your eternal destiny. That's not popular. People, ah, you're so narrow-minded. How dare you be such a, you know, I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't say it. I just believe it. So this was the first Easter. This is the message they proclaimed. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is coming. Jesus is the judge. And then they weren't like, okay, see you later. Then they, then they, they invited people to respond. If you believe that, right, then repent and believe and, 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 and join him and receive salvation from him. This was radical. Sometimes Paul would go into a pagan community like in Thessalonica. They had all kinds of stones and statues and he would say, turn from those things and repent and turn to Jesus. And the power of the Holy Spirit worked in their hearts. And Paul says, you turned to God from idols and began to serve the living God and Jesus who raised from the dead and you were waiting for him. And so this was their message. And, and this is what real Christianity is. It's not go to church. It's not be a good person. It's recognize that Jesus rose and, and you confess your allegiance to him. So in the early church, they, they, they would preach and proclaim, do you want to be saved from your sin? Do you want to go to heaven? If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, think about what that means. When I say Lord Jesus, what am I saying? Jesus is Lord, and, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Why would you bow down and surrender to somebody if you're like, I don't even think he rose from the dead? Well, of course you wouldn't. But if you do believe that he rose from the dead, that he's coming again, it should make a difference. And so, so they invited people, turn to God, trust in Jesus, begin to follow him. This is one of Paul's sermons in the book of Acts. He said, God has overlooked this time of ignorance, but now he's declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. In other words, turn, change your mind, whatever you were doing. Maybe you weren't religious, maybe you were religious, but turn now to Jesus because he has fixed the day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he's appointed, having furnished proof by raising him from the dead. So, wow, that, 
That, that's what they used to tell people. And they would say, yeah, and if you do that, you're saved, you have salvation. Well, what, what does that mean? Well, there are a number of things. First of all, salvation, if you, if you believe that and you turn to Jesus and, and trusted him and became one of his followers, you received incredible blessings as a gift by his grace. Number one, he forgave you of your sins. So Peter said, look, God raised Jesus up. And all the prophets bear witness that you receive forgiveness of sins through believing in him, right? How many people are out there saying, be a good person and you'll go to heaven? Or just say these prayers and you'll go to heaven? No, the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will receive the forgiveness of sins. Many churches and people say, you can't know if your sins are forgiven. And I'm going, well, I can, you can, the Bible says you can. And so that was the message they preached. If you turn to Jesus, you can know your sins are forgiven. You have to fear that you're not going to go to heaven. Secondly, you had hope. It wasn't just for now. I mean, I, I look around, we have several people in our, in our fellowship that have cancer. We've had some recently leave this world. Death and, and suffering is so painful. I just did a funeral, and, and to think of a mother burying her children, it was just yesterday, Life is full of sorrow, but Christians have hope that every follower of Jesus one day will rise again and be with him forever, right? And so that's what keeps us going. Sometimes I think, if I lost one of my grandbabies, I don't know what I could do. I don't know if I could live, but I have hope, right? The Bible says that as an Adam all die, so Christ in Christ will be made alive. Christ the first fruits after that. Now notice this phrase, those who are Christ's. Not everybody, not everybody's going to rise to a great, glorious new heaven and new earth, but those who are Christ's. So you might want to go, hmm, wonder if I'm Christ. Do I belong to him? Am I going to, am I going to be raised? So that, that, that's what they promised. And they said there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So, so they, didn't, they didn't hope to die and go to heaven. They hoped to be resurrected on a new heaven and a new earth, and God would dwell among them. And what will it be like? The Bible says, verse 4, he will wipe away tears from our eyes. No longer death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. The first things have passed away. What a, what a great thing to look forward to. Like, life can be really hideous. But with Christ, it's like, it's not always going to be like this. One day, all my pain will be gone, and I'll live forever with God in a glorious new heaven and earth. But if that wasn't enough, the apostles and preachers and teachers would just say, hey, listen, here's another thing. If you repent and turn to God, he's going to pour out his Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the triune God, is going to come and live inside of you. So Peter said in one of his sermons in Acts 5, God raised up Jesus. Look at the last verse. And we are witnesses and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. It gives me encouragement to know that I, what I'm saying to you right now, the Holy Spirit's saying it to you. Jesus said, I will send the Spirit and He will bear witness of me. But if you repent and turn to Christ, then the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. He gives you the Holy Spirit. You become indwelled with the, with the Spirit of God. Now, for some of you, you may have never even heard of that, right? And it might be for one of two reasons. Either because you're not. You're not truly saved and so the Spirit of God doesn't live in you or you just didn't know, you haven't learned. But now you've learned this morning that the promise to every Christian is the moment you turn to Christ, he gives you the Holy Spirit as a gift. 
you're sealed and changed and indwelt and empowered by the Spirit of God. That's New Testament Easter Christianity. And then they're also promised an immediate union with Christ. This is crazy. Something happens to you when you turn to Christ. The Bible says that, that we are crucified with Him and we are raised to walk a new life. And that's, that's, that's the thing about a real Christian. A real Christian changes, not because they, they have self-discipline, but because God changes us. It's like He takes out the old hard drive and puts in a new life, a new heart. He, he changes me from wanting to indulge in my sin to enduring sin. I don't want to be like that. I want to learn how to love people. And it's a process, but, but this is what they told people. They, they would say, listen, if you come to Jesus, you're buried with him. You're raised with him. You're united with him. And, and then you'll see it in their life. Look at verse 6. Our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, so we're no longer slaves to sin. So there's too many churches that are telling people, just come to Jesus as you are, and then stay that way. I'm going, no, come to Jesus as you are, but then you'll be united to him and he's going to start changing you. And so this was radical, they're telling, and it's spreading like wildfire. People are going, I, 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 I believe that, and the Holy Spirit is transforming people's lives. So that's what happened then, first century, right? 2,000 years ago. Now, in light of that, the Bible also tells us what will happen in the future. Because Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible teaches that those who die as believers, their souls go to be with Christ to rest and wait for the resurrection and the Lord's return. So if someone's a true Christian, the moment you die, the Bible says, you're absent from your body and present with the Lord. Paul said, I want to depart and be with Christ for that's far better. But this is really important. Christians miss this. A lot of times we settle for for the hors d'oeuvres and we're missing the meal. That's not the end. For your soul to go be with Jesus, that's just a temporary. That's not what we look forward to. That's not the final hope. The Bible says that the souls of those who were beheaded for Christ are in heaven. They were told that they should rest for a little while. So, so a lot of times we settle like, I can't wait to fly away. Oh, fly away. That's just temporary. You fly away, but what you're waiting for is to rise again, to be reunited and, and, and real in a new glorified risen body. So technically, I like what N.T. Wright once said. He said, we don't look forward to life after death. We look forward to life after life after death. You're like, wait, say that again? We don't look forward to life after death. Like, yeah, as soon as I die, I go to be with Christ. But that's just temporary. The real deal is life after that, when Christ returns and we are raised up with Christ in physical bodies. So that's what they waited for. That's why they talk about the resurrection. We forget that. It's not just, oh, go to heaven, we're going to be up there playing harps forever. That's not what we're going to do. We're going to be on earth with Jesus in resurrected bodies. And that's staggering to think about. Last night, my wife and I were sitting out on our patio and having a snack, and, and, and I was just staring at our lawn. She goes, what, what, are you, what, are you, what are you thinking about? I said, I'm just looking there. I'm thinking, wonder what it'd be like to be six feet under that dirt and then to come blasting out of there, to be raised up out of the ground. So what the Bible teaches is that at the return of Christ, when Jesus comes back, there's going to be this great resurrection. 
every Christian that has ever died, they will be raised into a new glory. We're not going to be ghosts. We're not going to be... We're going to have real physical bodies, just like Jesus, after he rose from the dead, with an indestructible, perfect spiritual body. And so this was the comfort to Christians. Yes, it stinks to lose loved ones, but our comfort is this. The Lord will descend from heaven with a shout and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Think about as you drive past a, a graveyard. Not everybody's coming out to be, to be with Christ forever, but every single believer in that graveyard is coming out of the ground. Every single per- believer that was eaten by sharks is coming out of the sea. The Bible says that we who are alive and remain will be caught up together. So it's really interesting to think about this. I hope this happens. I hope Jesus comes back before I die. Anybody else with me? You feel me? You're like, I don't mind not dying, wouldn't you? I'm good with that. Some of you are like, nah, I want one on the chin. You go ahead. But mark this down. When Jesus comes back, dead or alive, if you're a Christian, man, you and I are going to change radically. Look what it says. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. None of us are going to prance into the new heavens and the earth with this earth suit because it's sinful. Forgiven, but sinful. We have to be changed into a glorified body. So Paul said, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. So, so those who have already died, their bodies are asleep, their souls are with Christ, they'll be reunited and resurrected. But what if we're alive? Paul says, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, we will all be changed. The dead will be raised and we will be changed. So if Jesus came right now, not all of you, but some of us will be dramatically changed. In a moment, the graves will empty. People will come out of the ground and every Christian who knows Christ will then be with him forever in a glorified, resurrected body. You say, okay, well, that's, that's interesting. I guess that's what Christians believe. So the, the issue is, if you really believe that, right? If you really believe that Jesus Christ rose, exalted to the right hand of God, he's coming to judge the living and the dead, and all who repent and believe in him are called to follow him and we're forgiven and we have hope, then there's several things, and this might be a way for you to ask yourself, do you really believe that? Because everybody says they believe that. Remember I heard me tell the story of the tightrope guy who, who led a group of people on a wheel, or he, led a, he took a wheelbarrow across the tightrope. He said, how many of you think I could carry somebody in a wheelbarrow? Everybody said, I believe you. He said, good, get in the wheelbarrow. Everybody said, no. So a lot of people, oh yeah, I believe that. It makes no difference in their life. So if you're a true believer, right, number one, what the Bible teaches is if you truly believe that Jesus is Lord, he died and rose for you, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to profess faith and be baptized, right? I don't know where people got the idea that, ah, oh, you know, I'm not into that. This is what the early church preached. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and they said to Peter, Peter told them, Jesus died, Jesus rose, Jesus is coming. And when they heard this, they said, what should we do? And man, as a pastor, boy, that's, that's a dream come true. Imagine if every time as I got near the end of my message, everyone said, well, Pastor Tom, what should we do? Instead of, when's he going to be done, right? Radical. What should we do? They felt, I, I need to respond. And so Peter told them what to do. Repent, Right? And then do what? 
Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, pastor, are you trying to dunk people? You Baptists, this has nothing to do with, this is the Bible, this is what Jesus said. You come forward and, and, you, and you testify, I am a forgiven follower of Christ. I've died and risen, and I want to publicly become a, a follower. And then notice, they didn't just get baptized. Notice what I said. They passionately engaged in Christian community. They didn't come out the other side of the baptism and then said, thanks for the hell insurance. See you next Christmas. Hope to see you at Easter. Look what they did. It says, so then those who received his word were baptized, and that day there were 3,000 souls, but they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Suddenly they wanted to learn the book, right? When people say, oh, you know, the Bible, that's boring. <laughs> you guys actually believe that stuff? I was talking to a pastor yesterday. He said, yeah, there's a young guy that's been coming to our church. He used to come here years ago. He said, he came up to me a couple weeks ago. He said, pastor, I, I just gave my life to Jesus. He goes, I can't get enough of the Bible, right? The mark of a real Christian is they want to be in the Word. They want to learn the Bible. I can remember the first time I came into a church like this and everyone had a Bible. I'm like, what? But suddenly when God changed my heart, I'm like, I want to learn this. And so they, they continually devoted themselves, not like, you know, if I don't have, Billy doesn't have a baseball game, if it's not a nice day at the beach, if I don't have to do the laundry, if I don't have to work, if I'm not too tired, maybe I'll gather with other Christians. You were radically ready to follow Christ. And you got together with other Christians for fellowship. You, you shared your life. You talked about your struggles. You said, these are my family, and, and we're going to get through this together. And, and you prayed together. And you believed that God had power and, and miracles were happening. What's so sad is that Christianity has become so distorted in America that normal Christianity looks abnormal. This is normal Christianity. Not, I can't believe how many people, oh, I'm a Christian, I don't go to church. There's no such thing, right? In the Bible, if you're truly a follower of Christ, you're a follower and you're a part of his community, his body, his, and, and you're engaged in relationships with others because you realize that this is what Christ has called us to. So that's the first thing. You, you repent and you, and you become engaged in a community. And some of you may, may be from far away. Find a church. If you're not in a church that teaches the Bible, find a church where they teach you from the Bible and you go, oh, yeah, this is, this is what I'm looking for. And if, you, if, if you're around here and you don't have a church, come and join us and be engaged in community. We're not trying, as you said, we're not trying to get your money. We're trying to help you follow Christ. The second thing is we live out the ethics of spiritually dead and resurrected lives. We become transformed to Christ's image. So, so this is a, a challenge. Like, it's hard because people will see Christians and they go, they're a bunch of hypocrites. And it's like, well, what do you mean by that? Well, they say they're Christians and they still do things wrong. Well, becoming a Christian doesn't mean that you don't do things wrong. But becoming a Christian means that you're trying not to do things wrong. When you become aware that you're doing something wrong, you confess it and you try to turn from it and, and you try to be transformed. And so, so this takes time. Like, we're not perfect. You'll frequently hear me say this. This is a hospital, right? So, so we tell people, come as you are with all of your mess, with all of your sins, come as you are. But any church that tells you to stay as you are, just keep living that way, find another church. Because if they're telling you, come as you are and stay as you are, they're not preaching the true message of Christ. Christ came to change us. 
and not just by saying, now stop it and start doing this. Live out who you are. And so, so th- here's an example. Paul used an illustration like changing your clothes. He said, therefore, if you're raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So if you're really united with Christ, you don't just think about him on Sunday for an hour or you don't just put him back in his Easter basket and see you next Easter. Like you're thinking about Jesus every day. You set your mind on him. You, you read your Bible and you pray and you try to raise your family and, and love each other. But then I start thinking about my life. Look at verse 5. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality. So if, if you're living together or having sex and you're not married, you're like, hey, I don't just keep doing that. I'm a Christian now. I'm forgiven. I'm dead to that. I'm trying to live that out. Pray for me. Pray for me not to be impure. You say, oh, everybody looks at porn and watches those movies and, hey, did you hear this one about this and dropping the F-bomb? No, now that we're Christians, dear God, help us to turn from that. Change us, Lord. Evil desires and greed, we're all tempted. We all live in a world like that, but we don't just go, ah, oh, well, you know, you don't get it, you know. No, we do get it. Paul says, put them all aside. And people are like, why would I, why would I stop doing that? That's fun. Well, here's one reason. Look at the next verse. It is because of these things the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. No, you don't understand, Pastor. Things are different now. We have a lot of new sexual ethics. You know, you can have more than one girl when you're married or, or you can live and sleep together before you're married or, you know, I mean, you can choose your gender and practice homosexuality. You know, things are different now. And I'm going, I do understand. And the Bible says... Because of all of those things, the wrath of God is coming. But as Christians, it says, in them you also once walked. That's the point. So this is the challenge. If I follow Christ, I don't want to keep living the same way. You can't be a Christ follower and go, oh, I'll do that, but I just want to keep living in my sins. So we put them aside. We're learning, and, we're, and we mess up, but we ask forgiveness. We change. And then... We don't just sit around judging others like, you're bad, you're bad, don't do that, don't do that. We're busy trying to change, right? Paul says, put them aside, anger, wrath, malice, and slander and abusive speech from your mouth. Instead of going, ah, well, that's just, you know, it's embarrassing as a parent. How many of us parents, we yell at our kids, we're angry. Some of you, you're like, how did, did you tell them? No, I just know, we're sinners. Some of you yelled at your kids today. I'll tear your leg off if you don't get into We're going to learn about Jesus, right? You think they don't see that? So we just be honest. We go, yeah, you know what? I struggle with anger. I want to ask you to forgive me. I'm trying to put that aside. I used to talk mean like that. That's abusive. I don't want to be like that anymore. Why? Because I put on a new self. I'm being renewed. I'm being renewed into the image of Jesus. So, so as Christians, we're in therapy, We're in recovery. So that's why we need one another. The Bible says, let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. Teaching one another. So so literally, I had a brother this this morning, one of the brothers here, he might even be here. He won't mind me sharing. He said, yeah, I'm struggling with this person. They're, They're so mean to me and they've hurt me so many times and now all of a sudden, and now they want to, and I said, wait a minute, what do you think Jesus would want you to do? He said, well, I don't know. And I said, I think you do know. This is hard, right? Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for one another. Forgive one another. Be kind. Love your neighbor. Love one another. Oh, yeah, but those... 
And that's the point. So, so we're engaging in this. I'm learning to become like Christ. So what should I be doing? If you're a real Christian, get in the game. Get connected with other Christians. Don't just indulge and go, hey, I, I said that prayer, but be a Christ follower. And then there's one last thing, and this is really important, and this, was, this, is, this is the reason why there aren't a whole lot of Christ followers, because it's narrow, it's not easy. Jesus said, broad is the road that leads to destruction. So, so following Christ in a world that thinks that's crazy, in our culture is not easy, right? And there will be many things that will try to deflect you from that. So, so there's two other things Christ wants us to do. One is he wants us to bear witness to others of his death and resurrection. He wants us to tell others, hey, listen, Jesus loves you. He died for you. He's coming again. Oh, who are you to tell me? I'm nobody. But Jesus told me to tell you. This is what Jesus said. Thus it is written that Christ would suffer and rise from the dead and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name. So that's our job. This isn't preacher's jobs. This is our job to tell our friends and loved ones. I have a friend, I've known him all my life, literally. He was born the day after me. So he's always looked up to me. I have a little more wisdom. But I witnessed to him all the time. He texted me yesterday. He said, happy birthday. Yesterday was my birthday. I'm not asking for presents. I didn't even mean to say that. So, but here's the point. He says to me, uh, you're probably not busy tomorrow. I said, no, and he knows. He's just pushing my button. I said, no, actually, you know what? A friend of mine rose from the dead, and we try to celebrate that. So I'll be busy tomorrow. And then, and then I said this, and you know, I, I still think you two would get along. That's why I've been trying to introduce you to him. And you know what he wrote back? He said, you know, listen. He said, Tom, I'm in favor of Christianity. I just don't think... I, I would ever be one of those fundamental followers of Jesus. Is that your view of Christianity? I'm in favor of it, but I'm not going to be one of those fundamental followers. I don't know exactly what he means by that, like if he means you froth at the mouth and beat people with the Bible. But if it means that you're not going to identify with Christ and say, hey, you can mock me, you can hate me, you can beat me, but I'm going with Jesus, right? Imagine what it's like to be in Sri Lanka today. They're 7% Christians, and the, the heat's up, and they blew up two churches, right? And all of a sudden, you go, hey, if I come out and start telling people I'm a Christian, right? So, so, so you sort of think through, if I'm a real follower, I, I did this once. I asked a toll booth. By the way, all of you who witnessed the toll booth directors, stop giving them a track. Stop and ask them sometime, did anyone ever give you a track? And they'll go like this, yeah, you mean these? I've had it happen, Right? I don't know why we think, well, I witnessed. I give him a track. Stop that, right? So I said, listen, pal, I'm sorry about all those people who hand you a track. It's not because you look like a heathen. It's because we mean well. Because we believe Jesus is coming again. And because he's coming again, we want to tell you. Now, if you don't want to hear that, I respect that. But we're called to be a witness, right? And so Jesus says, be my witness. And the moment you do that, some people aren't going to like you. Some people are going to be like, nah, man, stop it. It makes me mad. Who do you think you are? Jesus said, look, they hated me. They're going to hate you. But we're his witnesses, right? And then he said, go and make disciples and baptize them and teach them. So that's our, that's our mission here. So if you're just looking for a church to come and visit, you're in the wrong place. But if you want to follow Jesus, we're helping one another, right? So the last thing, though, is 
what I should be doing between that Easter and the resurrection of Christ or the coming again of Christ is persevering through all kinds of stuff, personal suffering, whether it's mental illness, physical illness, offense from others, temptations, struggles, fears. God wants us to persevere in faith and hope. Now here's the deal. This is really important. The only true way to know whether you're a Christian is to stay a Christian. Right? You can't say, I used to be a Christian, but I don't believe that stuff anymore. If you're truly a Christian, Jesus says, look, when you come out the other side of the baptism, you live no longer for yourself, but for me. Many, many, many people start the Christian journey. Many, many, many people don't finish. And that's a reality. Jesus said that. Jesus said, some will receive the word with joy, but as soon as trouble comes, they fall away. Some will receive the word, but then the desire for other things and pleasures and, and fear and, and greed and choke out the word and they just, they're done. And so I want to encourage you, if, if, if maybe you're somewhere in between there, that you would renew your, your, your commitment to Jesus. If you believe that he bought you by his blood and he rose from the dead, then follow him. Come hell or high water. Don't worry about what people think. Don't worry about what your spouse thinks. I have decided to follow Jesus. Cling to Jesus. He'll never, ever fail you. And if we're going to follow him in faith and hope, then we're supposed to work for him. We're supposed to be engaged. So Paul said at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, the great resurrection chapter, be steadfast in your Christian faith. You don't, you don't say, you know, I've been doing a lot of reading and um, I don't believe that stuff anymore. Be immovable, right? Well, you know, everyone laughs at me, so I don't think I want that. My family's very upset. You're immovable. And you're always abounding in the work of the Lord. I, you know, I just didn't feel like going. I didn't feel like, you know. Ask yourself, abounding in the work of the Lord? I am so thankful. I look around, I see what God's doing in this church. It's because people here are abounding, Right? But there's a whole lot of people here that do nothing, right? And we're not mad at you. But if you're a Christian, God calls us to radically turn and follow Christ and love him and love others and work and serve and give and sacrifice and love our wives and try to live faithful lives to Christ and pray and invest in our kids and invest in eternal things. And so this Easter, I'm excited. I'm, I'm thankful that Christ has, has done what he's done. And I hope that this morning you will, you will think, is, that what, is, is this what's happening in my life? If you haven't been baptized, I long for the day when people come forward and say, hey, pastor, when's the next baptism? I'm in. I had a guy come to me after the second service. He said, fisherman, you caught me. I said, good, you getting baptized? He said, yeah. I said, good, right? So, so for some of you, Get started. For some of you, maybe come back. I get it. Many Christians lose their way, but if you're really a Christian, come back. Get, get, get on point with Jesus. And then for the rest of you, just continue what you're doing. Thank you so much. Time's running out, and, and so it's exciting.
to think that this same message is going and pray all over the world for those who are suffering and dying and people who haven't heard the gospel. What a privilege it is to live for Jesus. And so I want you to close with me in prayer. Let's bow together. For some of you, I I believe the Holy Spirit has borne witness in your heart. And right now, I would encourage you, if you want to turn to Jesus, you do that right now. You just say to him, Lord, I believe in my heart that you rose from the dead. Please save me from my sins. Help me to follow you. Help me to turn from my sins and trust in you. Change me, O Lord. For those of you that lost your way, tell Jesus, Lord, thank you that you never turned your back on me. Please take me back. Lift me up again. Restore me. And Father, for those who are struggling and hurting and suffering and tempted, please comfort my Christian brothers and sisters. And please let the power of the Holy Spirit work in our church as we pray for one another, as we encourage one another in hope, as we build each other up, as we forgive each other, as we speak the truth in love and pray for one another. May you continue to build this church and may the gates of hell not prevail because it's all about you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.